Should we desire crosses more than anything else? Hi, I'm Mike Mason. This is St. Joe Society Podcast. St. Joe Society is a Catholic lay apostolate devoted to help men order all things to Christ as they become strong in mind, body, and spirit. If you'd like to check out more about us, you can see us online at stjosociety.org. This is the St. Joseph Bootcamp, episode 23. And the question before us today is, should we desire crosses more than anything else? Now, last week, we discussed the fruit of our redemption, which is the life of grace within the soul. We discussed the notion of actual grace and the role it plays before our justification, during justification, and after. And as we discovered last week, actual grace is when God illuminates the mind or strengthens the will to do some sort of act. We can think kind of like God's poking us with grace as we go through life. Okay. What we're going to look at this week is how that, how, what justification is in itself. Okay. So we talked last week about actual grace prompts us to salvation and it works through our um, justification. But what actually is justifications we're going to get at today? Now, before we jump into that, um, I do want to revisit the role of grace in our justification and add two more categories to our understanding of it. I left these out of the notes last week. Said felt like I felt like they'd be best introduced this week before we get in the role of justification. Now, the two types of grace, um, or pardon me, I should say it this way. The distinction within grace that I want to look at is the difference between what's called antecedent grace and consequent grace. Okay. Now, the titles of these two will help you remember which which one is which, okay? Antecedent means before, consequent means after, okay? So when we're talking about antecedent grace, what we're referring to is God's supernatural intervention that happens before the free act of the will. So this is this picks out when God's working grace in our souls before we do anything, okay? It's that prompting and things that he does beforehand. That's what's called antecedent grace. So it's antecedent. It's before what he does with the will. This is why when we are saved, God gets credit for all salvation. A person cannot be saved without him. Why? Because he must supply the antecedent grace to get us moving. Okay. Now, consequent grace is the supernatural intervention of God, which coincides with man's free act of the will. So once God moves his antecedent grace and grace is infused into the soul, okay, consequent grace works alongside the free act of the will. So this is how, after that initial, initial infusion of grace, when we do good works, we actually get credit for those good works. It's called meriting eternal life, which is something we're going to return to here at the end of this episode. Why? Because our will is cooperating with the grace God's giving us. So when we do good acts, you know, we have Lent coming up soon. Uh, when we get into Lent, okay, um, the penances you do, okay, you're going to get credit for those. You're going to merit eternal life through doing those penances. But if you were to say, well, I just did this all by myself, well, that would not be accurate because God's grace is the one fueling it, okay? Um, that's, what we're, that's what this distinction is between antecedent and consequent. It's a really important one. St. Augustine um, really summarizes this distinction really well when he says this, God does many good things in man that man does not do, antecedent grace, but man can do nothing good unless God enables him to do it. There's consequent grace. Okay, it's a really good way to understand that. And this is really important because having this distinction in mind keeps us from making errors. 
Okay, one error could be we could say God has to do everything. I don't have to do anything. That's false. Another error, it's called Pelagianism. It's when I can do it all by myself. Everything's fine. I can earn salvation all by my lonesome. That's not true either. Okay, so this distinction helps keep us in orthodox in uh, the orthodox view of grace and salvation. All right, with this distinction in mind, let's look at what is justification. Okay. The Council of Trent defines justification this way. It's the transition from the state in which man is born as the son of the first Adam to the state of grace and adoption as sons of God through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So remember, in the, with the first Adam, we get plagued with original sin. We're separated from God. We don't have those preternatural gifts anymore. We're lost. If God leaves us in this condition, every single one of us will end up in hell. No bueno, right? Not good. What justification is, is it's the movement from being in that condition to becoming adopted sons of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, okay? That's what justification is. It's that movement, okay? Now, this movement happens in, in one point, which we're going to get to here in a second. So it does happen at baptism, okay? So in one moment in your life, you can point your life and go, that's when I was justified. But for we Catholics, justification is a process that continues on. We are being justified. Okay, continuously, which is why we need to do things like frequent the sacraments very often, because our justification, our sonship grows as we grow in holiness. Okay. Now, when the Council of Trent defined justification, in order to combat the errors of the Protestants, which we're not going to get into the Protestant errors uh, directly in this episode, because we won't have time to um, explore them. But in future episodes, we'll we'll do a lot of work on compare and contrast between Protestant and Catholic views of um, lots of topics, and especially justification. But when Trent uh, wanted to describe what justification is, it wanted to lay it out in such a way that it could combat the errors that the Protestants raised. So really mastering these, what, what Trent calls the causes of justification, can really help you answer um, other people who disagree with us. You know, it's like... Um, if you study a, a true $100 bill well enough, you'll be able to identify a false one. So what we're going to do is we're going to look in at what Trent teaches about justification so that when you run into somebody who proposes ideas that oppose this, you'll be able to identify them, no problem. All right. So what Trent does is it lays out what it, various causes of justification. Now, a quick note on causes here. When it says various causes... Okay, you might think that's sort of a bizarre thing to say because you're like, well, there's one cause. God does it. Okay. The way that Trent's using causes here is in a philosophical sense. So when it uses causes here, it's not just using cause and effect like I flipped the light switch and the light turned on. That, side of, that type of cause and effect relationship. Okay. Causes in this sense is everything. It's, 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 um, it's a way of knowing, defining a thing and knowing all about it. Okay. So when you know various causes, it helps you understand what a thing is in its totality. Okay, let me give you an example. Let's say I want to teach you guys what a house is. Okay, and say, okay, well, what's a house? Well, there's different way, things I have to tell you about it so that you can understand what a house is. For Aristotle, we use him as an example. He said there's four main causes that help you understand what a thing is. So let's look at the four causes. One is the formal cause, the efficient, the material, and the final cause. Okay, so to know what a house is. Okay, formal cause. What is a house? Okay, you know, um, what gives the house its shape it could be like its blueprint. That's like the form. Okay, it's what gives the house its certain shape and capacity. 
So all the wood and, and block and um, drywall that could make a, a tree house that can make all kinds of th different objects. But when you put the form of houseness into it, it creates a house. That's the formal cause. The formal cause of me is I'm a human being, my human soul, stuff like that. Okay. The efficient cause is the thing that brings the house into existence. That'd be the carpenter. So a formal house is this thing that has a certain shape and structure to it. It's brought into existence by a carpenter. The material cause of a house is the things it's made out of. Houses are generally made out of brick and wood and drywall and concrete and nails and things like that. That's the material cause. It's the stuff it's made out of. And houses for, for living in. Okay. So if you know that a house has a certain shape and design to it, Okay, and you could describe what that is to someone. If you say houses are things built by our um, um, carpenters, they're made of products like wood and nails and drywall and such, and they're made for living in, that would give you a nice, well-rounded understanding of what a house is. That's what I mean by causes here, is it's being able to look at one topic from a lot of different angles so you have a well-rounded view of what it is. Okay. When the council Trent wants to talk about, okay, what is justification? It gives five primary causes to it. The final cause, what justification's for. The efficient cause, who made it, who made it happen. The meritorious cause, who is the one who like earned it. The instrumental causes, how do you get the effects of justification in a person. And the formal causes, what sort of change does it happen inside of us? Okay. So let's go through each one of these one at a time. And even if you can't remember the titles of the causes, the most important thing is you get down the concepts, okay? Okay, the, what's the final cause? What's the goal of justification? It's the honor of God and Jesus Christ and eternal life for man. So the goal is God is honored, we get eternal life. What's the efficient cause, okay? What brings about this salvation in us? It's God's mercy. God extends grace to us by his mercy. That's what causes our justification. Who merits our justification? Jesus Christ does on the cross, right? Through his perfect and spotless life and through his Passover. The instrumental causes, what's the instrument to get the, the justification in us? That would be the sacrament of baptism. And the formal causes, what difference does it make in size? What, what, how does it change my shape as a person? Well, that would be sanctifying grace. I, become a, I go from being a fallen person to a holy person. So for the Council of Trent to understand what justification is, it's for God's honor and glory and for our salvation. It's caused in us by God's mercy. Jesus Christ is the one that merited it for us. We receive it through the um, sacrament of baptism, and it causes us to have sanctifying grace. If you understand those five causes, you have a really good understanding of what is um, just the justification. Now, when we are justified... What are the primary effects that happen? So once this, this transfer takes place, what happens? Well, we become adopted children of God, okay? Which we've, that's a, a, something we've talked about in the past. We become true heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. We are welcomed into God's family. So through justification, we pass from a fallen state separated from God to being the adopted sons of God who are co-heirs with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. This transition is called justification. Now, once we are justified, as I said before, justification is an ongoing process um, throughout life. So you grow in your sonship. 
Um, think of it this way. you When you're adopted into the family, you are truly a member of the family. But in a way, you have to grow into family life. Okay, You have to take on the values and um, that this family has. So we believe as Catholics that justification is something you grow in. It's something that develops over time, which is why we emphasize things like pursuing virtue and penance and mortification and going to mass and frequenting, frequenting all the sacraments and things like that. Because we believe as we grow in our salvation, we merit eternal life. We start to earn eternal life. Now, quick side note before I give you guys a practical walk um, takeaway. <clears throat> a lot of people criticize the Catholic view of merit. They'll say, that's crazy. Meriting eternal life is not possible because Jesus did all the work first. Okay? That's a, that's a half-truth. It is true that Christ merited salvation for us perfectly. That is absolutely true. Okay. I I got no fight there. Okay. But what the scriptures teach and what tradition teaches and what our church teaches is that we can unite our works to Christ. Okay. By grace. And as we do that, those works that we freely choose to do merit or earn our salvation. Okay. When we say we're, we need works to go to heaven, we don't mean we do works all by our lonesome, all by our own power. What we mean is the grace that God gives us fuels us to do works that help us become more like Christ. And that's how we grow in our salvation and how we earn eternal life. And so guys, as you're going through your day, you need to think about the fact of like the things you do, even the most mundane, as we've discussed in the past, merit eternal life because of what Christ did for us. And because of the grace that God gives us, both actual and sanctifying. Okay. Before we jump off, I'll answer the initial question to this podcast, which was, should we desire crosses? And I'll leave you with this quote from Matthew, Matthias Sheban, a great 19th century theologian. Listen to what he says. St. Paul considers it wrong to yield to flesh and blood and to appreciate anything else in us than the new creation which God has established in us by grace. He exhorts us to find pleasure only in things that are above, not the things that are on earth. What madness then impels us to forget the delights of heaven and to follow even brutish instincts and beastly pleasures? Let us direct our desires to that height to which we have been elevated. If we must desire anything on earth, let us desire crosses. For in this way we shall crucify ourselves to nature and to the world, and thus we shall show that we belong to another, a higher world. Great thought to leave us off. God bless you guys.